0: Just
1: Between Us hey.
2: Just Between Us hey. Hello! I'm Alice Raskin. I'm a writer, mental health advocate, and I still have SIBO. Hey, I'm Gabe Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon. Wink! And the sack strike is over, baby. I can talk about my movie. Oh, yay! That's oh. so exciting! Yeah! We got the film independent fiscal sponsorship. So now we're paired with film independent. And if you go to the link in my bio on Instagram, and maybe we'll put the link in here, you can donate and it's tax deductible. When are you guys hoping to shoot? March, I believe. But we have to get, we're having a big budget meeting tomorrow. And so we're going to slash, 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 slash that budget, which is what I want to do. Although I've been told that they've never met a director who wanted to slash the budget. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm excited. It literally just happened like on Thursday, the strike ended. So, you know, I'm like gearing up and we have to talk to the actors again, which I'm finally allowed to do. I haven't talked to my actors in months other than like, hi, hello, how are you? That kind of thing. Yeah. So, and Melissa is producing it. Um, she's one of the producers. So. I'm looking for locations. Um, I'm location scouting and I have yet to find the, pl- it's like Goldilocks. Like I've yet to find the perfect place. Yeah. I need a recording studio and everything is like ceiling too low, price too high, you know? So I don't know. This one place seemed really good, but they don't have a control room, which we need. So it's like, yeah, parking. It's just like, I'm trying to like, you know, like Cinderella making the shoe fit.
1: Yeah. Locations are hard, but I feel like it's good that you have until March. So you can keep, keep exploring.
2: I know, but a lot of places like book up, like it's a 17 day shoot. And a lot of places um, are like, you know, we'd start even like planning for March. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, so I don't know.
1: What if you built a set out of out of
2: cardboard? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay, I scrap the whole thing. I just make it out of miniatures and it's um, it's stop motion. Exactly. Stop motion takes forever. My friend I was going to say you shouldn't be done in five to ten years. Exactly. My friend Charlie does stop motion and it is very hard. <laughs> I'm always he's done it for years and I'm always so impressed. Oh,
1: well, this is just between us, a variety show filled with heartfelt advice, ridiculous games and brutal honesty.
2: And we have an amazing guest this week. It's uh, Maya Williams, who Allison blurbed uh, And their book is uh, called Refused a Second Date. And it's, I feel like that title alone makes it JBU worthy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Maya is a poet. This is their second book. And we dive into poetry and dating and intergenerational dating patterns. So it's a really fun one. And later, we're going to be discussing working with friends, which is very topical because one, we're doing it right now. And two, you're about to do a movie with Melissa. Right.
2: Right. Um, you know what, Allison, I have to find it, but I wrote a poem about you one time. Wait, you wrote a poem about me? Yeah. What was it? was it mean. No, it was about um when we weren't friends and it was like during when we weren't friends and it was like me. It was I was very sad. If you read it, you would think it was like a breakup poem. <laughs> I, I have to find it. Read it. Yeah, I have to find it. It was in one of my journals from like 2019. But I don't remember, I was like trying, I mean, it was like a poem. It was like writing down like sentences about how I felt, but I think it kind of came out poem E. but I oh, have wow. to find it. I might've thrown it away, but it was like me being like very sad.
1: Oh, I don't think anyone's ever wrote and po- written poetry for me before. I'm so touched.
2: I know. I was thinking about it and then I, and then I reread it and I was like, oh, everyone's just going to think I'm in love with her, but that's not what it's about. <laughs> like, I was like, I really related to Taylor Swift in that moment. I was like, listen, you could write songs about women you're not (laughs) attracted to. (laughs) Sorry, Gaylers. I mean, I'm a Gayler as well. Up next, we've got an exciting interview with our highly esteemed guest, Maya Williams. So stay tuned.
1: back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, most controversial segment known to all podcasting.
2: Tough questions. This week on the show, we have Maya Williams, the poet behind Refused a Second Date, a collection about first date impressions, intergenerational dating patterns, reasons to not have children, mental health, racism and dating and queerness. Hello, Maya. Hi. (laughs) So how do you guys know each other? Uh, Well,
1: because uh, Maya's. I guess, publisher reached out to me a while ago to ask about me reviewing their first book of poetry.
2: I I actually reached out. Oh, you? (laughs) Is it a fake publicist?
1: No. Maybe it went through my
2: manager or something. (laughs) And then I was like,
1: okay, yeah, you reached out to my manager. My manager sent it to me. And I was like, this looks awesome. And I literally, I'd never read a book of poetry before. Like, I'm not a poetry person. And I was like, but let me give this a shot. And I loved it. And I, I uh I, I blurbed it and then we've just become real friends. <laughs> thank you so
0: much for blurbing it and for loving it. Oh my god, it's such an honor that you're that you're like, I don't like poetry, but this this is nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: because I guess I I have found poetry to be like inaccessible uh sure. in a way that like yours isn't like Oh, thank you. And like I don't know, and it was also really and then I went and saw you. you had a um a book talk at a at a bookstore in LA and I, and John and I went and and like i there's something about the performance of poetry that i feel like is even more compelling to me than when i'm reading it cuz it's Thank you. i don't you know it's like a mix of literature and music almost
2: <laughs> okay so let's start at the beginning i guess because alison didn't like poetry before this so uh, <laughs> like how did you figure out that poems are where it's at for you
0: yeah for me um, I've been I've been writing a lot since since I, was, since I was really young. Started writing poems at the age of eight and started to perform more poems around late high school and was competing in a collegiate slam team all throughout college and some of grad school. Yeah, and and it just stuck.
1: Oh, cool! And you're the poet laureate of Maine, right? Portland, Maine. Uh, Portland,
0: Julia Maine. Baus, Julia is the poet laureate of the state of Maine. I'm the poet laureate of the city of Portland, Maine.
2: Wow, that's a cool city too. I've been there. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> what goes into like the performance of of poetry? What is what are you what is Allison talking about?
0: Yeah, I enjoy performing my poems uh because of my slam background and because of my spoken word background. It it's nice to combine theater with poetry and also it's like, oh, the most overwhelming part I ever had to play was
2: myself. Um <laughs> <laughs> What what is slam poetry if someone's never heard of it?
0: Yeah, so slam poetry is a competitive form of poetry. It was a bar game set up by this uh, this white construction worker based in Chicago who I will not name because he kind of sucks. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was start started out as a bar game where people subjectively score your poems, and yeah, and people loved it because we get to talk about the poems after.
1: Oh. I love that, like, America was like, and we shall make poetry a competition. And yeah.
2: Like, out, it will become more popular.
0: <laughs> but I haven't been in a competitive uh, format since, like, 2018. Like, I facilitated
1: youth slams
0: since then, but I have not competed myself since then.
1: And your first book really, like, dived a lot into mental health and your relationship with religion and mm. and suicide. And it, like, was a lot of heavy, heavy topics. And so... I'd love like to talk about like how you came up with the themes for your second book.
0: There are some aspects of suicidality and religious related trauma that are in the second book, but what's really taken the front seat was dating and the patterns of dating that my mom and I share um, and the patterns of intimate partner violence that my mom and I unfortunately share um, and wanting to touch more, more so on that. And it's been fascinating because folks have said that this uh that refuses second date has been funnier, which which I find fascinating because the first book I I consider it funny, but because this one's about dating, everyone's like, oh, I can laugh a lot
2: more now. Like, <laughs> what patterns? What do you mean by patterns? Like the
0: type of person uh, we would we would see being like a similar type of person, or um, just noticing patterns around decision making around divorce, decision making around children, or lead or that leading to my decision to not want children and being pretty adamant about
2: that well why do you think that that happens like I've never heard of intergenerational dating patterns other than you know people making jokes like oh mommy issues daddy issues or whatever Mm -hmm. but I'm personally starting to be like I don't think it's dating people like my parents I think it's maybe having I was thinking about my dad being such a playboy in his day Mm -hmm. And, like, how maybe that has colored, like, the way that I want to see myself masculinely. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe even as a woman, I always wanted to see myself as this sort of masculine player or whatever. And now, like, being, you know, transitioning, I'm like, am I even more like my dad? And, like, how do I wrap my mind around that? So, like, I hadn't really, like, this is something that I've been thinking about lately as, like, part of transition. So then it was interesting to see it named as, like, intergenerational dating you know, patterns. So can you talk a bit about like what that means and, and how, you know, like specifically how that shows up for you and your mom?
0: Yeah, that shows up for me and my mom, because we share the similarities of being very ambitious people and being very independent people. And there was a poet named Adiana Brown who had talked about like, oh, being raised by a single mom, whether I like it or not, has played a role in how I feel about my gender identity. Um, being raised by a single mom the majority of my life has played an influence on my gender identity and having and having an opportunity to see that lens and be able to recognize that my mom is a human being with her own contradictions and like giving uh, giving my mom permission to hold that nuance, and therefore giving myself permission to hold that nuance, because she's not perfect, I am not perfect. Um, and the relationships that I have been in, like there have been instances where people have harmed me. There have been instances where I have caused harm. And it's so fascinating putting that in like a short poem, or like a or like a really long poem with like quips or specific struct- specific structures as a way to talk about those those patterns and yeah i appreciate framing it as as an intergenerational pattern because i can't escape those similarities whether i like it or not and and, and it, yeah and it also helps uh, expand like beyond what what you had mentioned er- earlier gave about like what people like to say about like oh daddy issues mommy issues and like trying to expand beyond the re- like the, the reductiveness of that
2: yeah I mean, do you think that, you know, it's interesting. Is it called epigenetics where it's like if your parents experience trauma or if your grandparents experience trauma, it like goes into your genetics and like your Mm. DNA and it comes out. And I just have heard it in terms of reference to my grandmother being a Holocaust survivor and, you know, that kind of coming through and like with with sort of black people whose family were slaves and things like that. And so like it's interesting to hear it in an interpersonal way like in a very small microcosm of Mm. is it that your mom being a single mom helped you see that you don't have to live in a binary in terms of gender is that what you mean by nuance
0: yeah that I don't have to live in a live in a binary and that and that there are certain ways that I can uh, I can implement how I interact with people in my life that doesn't have to be defined by traditional gender roles either
2: yeah that's really interesting that's almost a positive like yeah that's that's so interesting. Has she read the book?
0: She has not read the book yet. She's only read one poem from the book so far. I'm, I'm so excited to hear her response about the book. <laughs> really?
2: What did you yeah. think of the poem?
0: Because uh, she thought about the poem, because like, it's the poem, Contradictions of My Mother, and it talks about the do's and don'ts that I've heard from her over the over the years of my life. And uh, what she had said about that poem, she had said, oh, this is this is nicer. Than I thought it would be,
2: uh- <laughs> and you were like, "Well, mom, I'm I'm seeing you as a complex human being with nuance, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right?"
0: She was like, "I wasn't ready for this, but thank you." And and also, um, she's on the she's on the cover of the book, and wow. she is at a church fashion show in 1996, and yeah. the process of asking her if if she could be on the cover of the book, I honestly thought it would be a longer conversation about comfort or about, um, or about, Hey, I'm fine with you writing about me. Don't put my face up. But no, what had happened was I had texted her. She texted me three seconds later going, Oh, it would be an honor.
2: (laughs) It's so funny. It's so similar to my dad. Like my dad, like, even if I'm talking about him negatively, he's like still being talked about. Like, I think he's got the thing of, like, love me or hate me. It's still an obsession. Like, I think he's very, like, like, there's been so many times where, like, I remember I wrote a short film about him being an alcoholic when I was growing up and his response to it was, can I be in it? And I was like, no, no, you're a lunatic. Like, he like, I thought I too thought he would, like, have reservations. And he was like, wow, can I act in it? And I was like, no. Stop that. (laughs) We're going
1: to take a quick break, but stick around. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom? Let me tell you all about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you wish to ask. And then she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories, Hi everyone, Allison here. so much. So if you want to take part in Book of the Month and have a brand new book shipped right to your door every single month, go to bookofthemonth.com and get your first book for $5 with code PEDALS. That's $5 off with code PEDALS. I cannot recommend this enough. I'd love to know more about the process of writing poetry and, you know, like, is it, do you start with like what topic you want to tackle? Do you have like fragments of sentences that pop into your head? Like what, or is it different poem to poem?
0: Yeah, it's very different poem to poem. Sometimes I have this sentence that I want to get on the page and I don't know whether or not it's in the beginning, middle, or end of a poem. Uh, There are instances where I I read someone else's work and I'm so inspired and and like, and I'm just like, let's, let's get started now. Or a recent event has happened and I'm very charged. And at the same time, I have to be careful with that too. Cause I recognize that like the poems are a lot better after I've processed it. And after I've uh, processed it with a loved one or with my therapist. But if there is an instance where like something charged has happened and I put it down, I don't look at it again until some time has passed. And then I come back to it and then make the edits needed after like processing it. So it varies from poem
2: to poem. Yeah, we have similar. I feel like that's similar to how like we write, like where it's a little bit easier to come at it from further away. But I do tend to bang out drafts while things are happening, I think. But sometimes I go back and I go, wow, that was really good. (laughs) Isn't that the best? (laughs) Yeah, that is a good feeling. Yes. Yeah, I was like, I was like, that couldn't have been that good. And then I was like, oh, wow. In the midst of in the midst of it, I really, really nailed it. Do you tell people if you write about them? Do you tell them other than your mom? Ooh,
0: this is a good question.
2: Because like, because some,
0: sometimes I tell them. Sometimes sometimes I do not. Uh, there are exes referred to in the in the collection where they, they don't know that they're in there and that is fine. There are some exes who do know that they're in the collection and they're like, cool. Oh. Yeah,
2: because <laughs> writing about dating, I imagine like Allison does that too. And I imagine mm-hmm. that that's like, okay, how do I how do I talk about this real person?
1: I just give them a a fake name. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I
0: don't say their names during (laughs) readings or anything like that. I don't I don't put their real names down.
2: Well, my ex Gondelman told me that he wrote about me, but he gave me a pseudonym. But then he let me read the chapter beforehand. Oh, because you guys are still friends. Right, exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's different if they're still in your life or not. Yeah, he does (laughs) a stand
2: up joke about me now and he ran it by me. That's so nice. Well, he ran it. He performed it and then recorded it and then ran it by me. So he did already <laughs> perform it. You know what I mean? Like he did. I was a little bit like you're already doing it on stage, but that's fine. But it was good. And then a friend of mine went to see him perform and heard the joke. And then like gently to me was like, um, so I saw Josh and uh, he has a joke that, um, and I was like, no, no, I know about it. And she was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God. Um, what do you, what do you mean by first date impressions? Like what is that element of the book and why is it called refused a second date?
0: Yeah, I like to talk about the poetic device of the high bun. Um, and it's a, and it's a poetic device where you have narrative prose and then you end the poem with a haiku. And there are first, first date impression high buns throughout the collection where on one side. It is from the other person's perspective on how that first date went, and then on the other side is my uh, my thinking process of how that first date went and and on both on, on both sides you see what what myself or the other person has said, and it's like this is the same situation, and yet different things are happening in our brains right now, like what the heck and um, and it's called refused a second date because yeah, like it shows like what that phrase says in the haiku as the reason as to why we didn't see each other after that i do write about my partner in the book as well and like and there is a second date after that high bun written (laughs) um, which 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 is sweet but yeah it's called refuse a second date because of the the reasons why we say no to continuing things that we don't want to continue
2: are you guessing what they're thinking in the poem that's ooh, i i love this question Uh, Because there there
0: are instances where like I'm creating this person as a persona as so what I think they could be thinking after reflecting a lot on how the date has been. And also at the same time, like I I am considering like aspects of the conversation that was had as a way to put that into like, oh, so this is what you were thinking because I remember this is what you said.
2: You ask why you didn't have like, how do you do this? Do you ghost or are you like, oh, we didn't have this like, sorry, I just didn't feel it. Or like, what's the...
0: no, I don't. I don't ghost. Uh, one, one of these one of these people did ghost um, from for one of the for one of the high buns. But yeah, no, I do like to ask directly like, oh, what happened?
1: Oh, my God, you do. That's so terrifying.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> it is terrifying. Yeah. So I so I don't want to ask it. And At the same time, I feel like the burning sensation of like, oh, not not knowing, even though like on one aspect, it's like, I don't have a right to know if they don't want to tell me. And at the same time, like it it, it would, it would, I would think a lot about,
2: oh, why didn't I ask? (laughs) But how do you know if they're like, remember, Allison, remember your lie that you would say?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my go-to lie was I was getting back together with an ex-boyfriend. Oh, yeah. Because I figured that that was the least upsetting because it's like, oh, how can I compete with somebody she has history with? But now I no longer would lie.
2: I've come around. And this was a. Lot. This was like 10 years ago Yeah, where <laughs> she was like her lie to get at. Yeah. I was like, that's so funny.
0: <laughs> it also, it's like, oh, it's so fascinating that at the, at the time you, you were like, oh, this will be the least harmful because it's like, yeah, who can compete? And at the same time, like, how many times has that person been just even more
2: furious going like, what do you mean you're getting back together with this person? <laughs> Why did you even go on a date with me then?
1: Right. Well, I've had I've had someone use it on me and now I'm thinking maybe they were lying.
2: (laughs) I I just saw a Reddit post where it was uh, a guy and he was talking about how he was dating, seeing this girl and then she couldn't go to a concert with him. And then she was like, why don't you go with my friend? She's cute. She thinks you're cute. Go to this concert. And he was like, do you not want to date me? And she's like, no, I do. But like, I'm I feel bad. I can't go to the concert. So like, go with my friend. And he was like, what are you trying to break up with me? And then in the comments someone said tell her you don't want to see her anymore and that you're getting back together with your ex. <laughs> and uh and then she'll want you even more or whatever. And I was oh. like, "Whoa, Allison, is this your undercover account?" Yeah, I'm just on Reddit <laughs> causing drama. <Yeah. laughs> I was like, "Ooh, the old standby." <laughs> I'm like a chaos demon right now. Like I I don't mean to be like a manic pixie dream boy, but I I I do it by accident. Like <laughs> I met someone on like a hookup app, but then he was funny. So I was like, okay, let's go on a date. And then we went on a date and then I was like, oh, it's not, I'm not feeling it in person. And so then I just sort of ghosted and then, well, and then I saw him around in WeHo. I saw him once in WeHo and then we were like, Hey, and then, uh, I saw him again in WeHo and I was very drunk. And I was like saying to a friend of mine, like, my friend was like, how do you know each other? And I was like, we went on a date. And then he was like, you guys went on a date, you should kiss. And then I kissed him. And then I ran away. And then he was like, where'd you go? And I was like, "Uh," and I sent a picture of myself holding Sour Patch watermelons at my house. And he was like, Oh, nice. I went to 7-Eleven. And I was like, cool. And then that's it.
1: Oh, my God, you're not to ghost people. It was a mutual <laughs> ghost. He did. That's he different. also ghosted. Oh, so neither person reached out. We after
2: never, and neither like, yeah. person talked about it. <laughs> and we never we never like said what the deal was. So I you just... went on
1: the in-person date and then neither person texted after. Yeah. All right. That's not a ghost. I don't I don't consider that a ghost. Oh, really? To me, a ghost is when someone reaches out and the other person doesn't say anything. Oh, back. OK. OK. Mm-hmm.
2: OK. Yeah, right? mutual ghost.
1: <laughs> the it was
0: okay.
2: like Phew. <laughs> So ridiculous. And then like afterwards the next day I was like, "Oh my god, he's going to be in love with me." Cuz I'm insane. <laughs> Cuz that's that like and I was like it's always when you're like not trying and you're just kind of like do, like then like the amount of times it's like the people I don't want to see again are the ones who are like want to go hard at trying to see me and that's very unfortunate. Oh that's a lot to unpack right there. I know <laughs> I don't know why that is what happens
1: If you want to hear the rest of this episode and let me tell you, you do head over to patreon.com slash just between us and for $3 a month you can get access to all of our podcast episodes in full ad free.
2: You can also get merch for this podcast at just between us, or Allison Okay,
1: that's it Tatto the T2! Tatala T2! <laughs>